0: Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast, equipping leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Living Leadership Podcast. On this week's episode, we are continuing in our short series on interviewing members of staff from Living Leadership, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Marcus. So, firstly, Marcus, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to the listeners.
1: Uh, well, thanks, yes, It's nice to be here. Uh, my name's Marcus Honeysett. Uh, I live in Southeast London in the UK, and at the moment, I'm the director of Living Leadership. I'm married to Rose. I have a seven-year-old son who on social media goes by the name of Munchkin and he keeps me fit with football and rugby and anything to do with a ball.
0: Brilliant. So before we come to talk a bit about ministry life and experience that you have, it'd be really great to understand how you came to faith. So how old were you and what were the circumstances around you coming to know the Lord? Uh, it was
1: on a family holiday, actually. Um, we were in St. Ives in Cornwall in the UK. I was 14. And there I came across uh, a beach mission team for the first time. Uh, I've been uh, a grown-up, my family, we went to a liberalish Baptist church at the time. But the good news really hadn't sunk in for me. But when the beach team leader, called Roger Carswell, was uh, speaking that week, it really did. And so I became a
0: Christian on a beach. Amazing. Yeah, I, I loved seeing beach missions. Lots of my friends got involved in those.
1: Oh, yeah, I got involved in them myself a little bit later on. And I vividly remember dressing up as Barney the Purple Dinosaur. Everybody <laughs> else did. <laughs> and superb acting and dramas. And all. I, I, was, I was Barney the
0: Dinosaur. <laughs> Someone needs to be. <laughs> So um, the Ministry of Living Leadership was founded around 15 years ago now, I think it is, and really comes from the Lord directing you in a, in a new direction or a slightly different direction in ministry. It would be really great if you were able to share with us how the Ministry of Living Leadership came about and what led you to start it.
1: Um, so I'd spent a lot of Uh, years before that in student ministry, and that came to a fairly natural close for me in 2004, 2005. And I was uh, wondering and praying about whether I should be helping pastor a a church after that, and was in quite advanced discussions with a church that I love. Uh, And even though the discussions were advanced, it got to a point where I just felt the Lord was pulling the brakes on that. But I, I didn't have any idea why, I really wanted to do that. But my wife and I paused the process and just started praying, really, at that point. And in the next three weeks, 16 churches of all different shapes and sizes rang me up and said they knew I was interested in discipling leaders uh, and would I like to go and do it with them. And when it got to 16, we were feeling quite good, really, quite guided by God, but didn't know what on earth was going on. So I rang an old boss of mine. I called Nigel Lee, some leaders, uh, some listeners might remember. And he said, well, why don't we host a consultation between them? And so we, we got some church leaders together and they expressed three areas of concern. Those were, were all to do with discipling leaders. Firstly, how to get people into an experience of uh, Christian leadership accessibly and cheaply for the first time. Um And then how to sustain and nurture leaders for the longer term so that they continue to love the Lord and love the church and love leading when the demands are arduous. And and then lastly, how to develop local leaders better. And in the consultation, folk were saying, well, are these things that we could work out together rather than separately? And my wife, Rosa, and I agreed that I could spend a couple of years seeing if there was mileage in exploring those things together with those. There was no salary. A lot of praying about that. But we started to see the Lord blessing things. He led us to start some initiatives, firstly for junior leaders and then for longer-term leaders that we wouldn't have imagined ourselves out of our own cleverness. And living leadership really grew out of that. Uh, There were some uh, fun moments of faith that were scary along the way, but. started to grow our faith from quite a low base and here we are 15, 16 years later and are just amazed at what he's done.
0: Yeah brilliant and yes you're saying just amazed at what the Lord's done over these years. Are there any kind of outstanding moments across the years, things you feel you've learned about the Lord during that time?
1: The the scariest moments. Um, I was at um, a conference on one occasion having lunch with two pastors, and one of them just said, why, why is it that member care in missions movements is, is normal? Why is it that real care for leaders there is normal, or at least well thought through, but it isn't in the pastoral movements that we're familiar with? And the three of us just started jotting things down on a, a napkin uh, about what we'd like for the care of our souls and our marriages in Christian work what would help us keep walking in God's grace and enjoying being disciples and worshippers ourselves? And then we looked at what we'd written on the napkin and had a bit of a tingly moment and thought, well, that doesn't exist. Maybe we should try it. And um, it was great. We thought, okay, we can try putting on something for folk in pastoral ministry that is about soul care and just receiving from the Lord. We didn't have any money for a conference centre. And uh, we were just putting it off. Well, no, there's a strong sense of the Lord's leading here. We don't know what to do. I remember getting home one day, and my wife said, um, who does have a gift of faith for money? She said, you know, the thing that the three of you think God's saying to do, would that conference centre you like in the Midlands be good for it? And I said, well, it'd be lovely, but we couldn't afford it. She said, well, I'm glad you like it, because I've booked it. <laughs> I, and I went white, and weak at the knees, and said, well, what have you paid for it with? And she said, all our money. And we, you know, we had a little bit in savings, but I've just sent everything um, as a deposit because God's clearly telling you to do it. Somebody's got to do it. It's not coming to be you. Um, so go pray and make it work. And that was the way Living Leadership's uh, pastoral refreshment conferences started. I, I didn't want to get out of bed for three weeks. I thought she'd just bankrupted us. <laughs> but I think possibly the outstanding lesson that I'm really still learning is that God doesn't need me to be a wonderful strategist. God has never said to the angels, you angels, look, uh, Marcus has become a Christian and uh, and he wants to get involved in what I'm doing. Phew, what would happen to the kingdom of God if that hadn't happened? That conversation has never happened. It's never going to. You know, when we're young in Christian work, we're, we're desperate to be able to say, I did something. I created something. Just don't think that's true. We lead out of weakness and prayerful dependence, asking him to lead and to impress upon us what he wants to do. and We just follow. I think after that, perhaps the most important thing in the life of living leadership, from the word go, but it's developed as we've gone on, was deciding on the foundational values that we were committed to. So we decided right at the beginning we want to grow spiritually well-formed, healthy people who are living in the love of God, who are seeking him for grace every day, who are really seized by their identity in Christ and who want to grow in humble, Christ-like character and servanthood. We've always wanted to grow leaders and leadership cultures that are known for humility, repentance, forgiveness, forgiveness prayerfulness, worship, wisdom, leaders who love the scriptures like they love their own lives and who want to see all those things all the way through the warp and weft of the life of every local church. Um, we've always seen biblical leadership through three sort of lenses, really. The first is Philippians 1, where it says, we want to work with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so you glory abundantly in Jesus. And that's great. Um, Leaders who understand the job isn't running services and doing the accounts of a church and pastoral visits. Yeah, All those things are important, don't get me wrong, but but just the foundation. We want to work with you for progress and joy so you're glorying abundantly in Jesus. When a church looks like that, just amazing and so attractive. And the second lens is we've always seen leadership as about making disciples who make disciples. And off the back of that, the third thing really is we've always seen the role of leaders is equipping all the disciples for their ministries out of Ephesians 4. But we don't think that the role of leaders is doing all the ministries of the church. And so for sure, in living leadership, we've always wanted to grow really good ministry competence, but not without those foundations. Because competence without character just leads to so many bad places. And we, want, we want leaders who are, it's pressing him with the Lord and passionate for, for him and his work in their lives. Know the work of the Holy Spirit.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, over the last two years, particularly, I think there's been a lot of growth in the activities of living leadership. What's personally most excited you about some of this recent growth, seeing what God's doing right now?
1: Um, when COVID hit, like most Christian leaders, I found myself completely at sea. And uh, all my plans went out. Finally, broke any last remains of reliance on, on my plans and my strategies. And God, please, please bless what I want to do. Uh, just forced me to pray. I believe that this time for many has been a bit like Elijah at the Kerith Ravine in First Kings. Just learning to stand before God depends on him only. and That still comes quite hard, really. But as we were um, praying and seeking him, um, some things started to happen that we weren't dreaming of, really. Um, Firstly, an old friend of mine, Nate Dawson from IFES, rang up out of the blue and said, listen, can't you do some of your pastoral refreshment material for leaders online? thought, can you even do that? Can you do soul care stuff on Zoom? Didn't know what Zoom was at the time. (laughs) Uh, But that in a really vibrant network meeting for some fantastic leaders devotional time encouragement. Any listeners who are interested, there's space to join that. It's lovely. Come on in. The water's water's lovely. And then on the back of that, the Lord uh, led somebody who has a Great ministry of pastoring pastors uh, to come to us just to see if we could establish uh, something wider for that in these challenging times. And so, out of that, during COVID, the Living Leadership Associates Network has been born. And yes, I know that you're very foundational in that and right at the center of that. And it's growing amazingly around the UK and Ireland. It could soon start to go further afield, I think. And I could not have engineered that. Living leadership couldn't have engineered that. We're we're so grateful to God. We just want to press in to him. I think maybe the lesson is we just don't want to be leaders and a ministry that says, here are all the great ideas we have. Uh, Lord, would you just um, see fit to bless these, please? Yeah. But show what you want us to do and... However stumblingly and falter, falteringly we, we will follow. Some people are really spiritually sensitive, aren't they? God has to tell them to do something once and they do it. And I'm just not one of those. And usually he has to rub my nose in it. It takes multiple things, multiple times before I say, oh, maybe that is. But I think, I think the difficulty for all leaders is when somebody comes to us and says, so what's the plan? What are we going? Where are we going? What are we doing? How are you gonna get us back to normal from before COVID? You know, like January 2020 was like the high point of the kingdom. Uh, and so amazing. How are you gonna give familiarity to us? How are you gonna make us feel safe and comfortable? Giving the answer, I just don't know. I don't even know what questions to ask, let alone what answers to give. But but what we're gonna do is we're gonna wait on the Lord and We're going to lean into him and we're going to pray. That answer sounds a bit lame. Because we secretly think that people want dynamism and strategy rather than weak leaders who are soaked in prayer and with whom you know the presence of God. I I think this is a a sifting time for a lot of leaders. Um, I meet some leaders who sadly are tempted to be a bit performative Come to us for resilience and strength and, you know, shelter under our wings. We'll get you through. Some of those will fall off the perch, if I'm honest. Um, But leaders who want to be weak and say, well, I don't know the answers. And I'm going to cling to a super strong savior. I've got a mighty rock. We're attached to him. I I don't have answers for you, but let's come and cling together. Let's learn to pray together. I think that they're secretly worried that down the road at the next church down the road, there's one of the resilient, super strong types who's offering enticing-looking stuff, and so they're tempted to do the same as well. I think the Lord is sifting and saying, who's going to press in with me? He's going to pray. Who's going to be a worshipping person as a result of this. We've all been so punctured by, and everybody's exhausted. And I think that that's one of the things maybe the Lord has been doing in this time. That's where I want to to be weak people with a super strong Savior, just leaning into Him. And anybody who wants to come and lean in with us, then then that's what you get. You're not going to get super strong, clever types with us.
0: So, kind of looking ahead then, and obviously not making any. Plans necessarily, but have you got any kind of dreams for living leadership and your ministry looking ahead as as far as you want to look ahead, short or long? Um, so
1: for my ministry, I, I think the thing is I just want to be a yielded man. Romans five says, We reign in life by receiving grace. That's what I want. I love um, I love John the Baptists. Uh, some of my favourite words in Scripture, John the Baptist, five little words, I am not the Christ. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't come and rely on me. <laughs> you want to learn anything off me, I'll tell you some of the stuff that I've screwed up and all the mistakes I've made over the years, and then you can know not to do that, but just to trust Jesus instead. But, yeah, you reign in life by receiving grace. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I want to actually believe and live and model that. If anybody's going to learn anything about discipleship and leadership from me, then that is what I want them to be able to see. Mm. But the Thessalonians says we grow as disciples. Firstly, by receiving the gospel message with joy given by the Holy Spirit, and then by imitation. It says they became imitators of the Lord and the apostles and the churches in Judea. So I think all leaders need to ask ourselves what are people going to imitate from us? You know, follow me as I follow Christ. What, what, what are they going to see? What are they going to imitate? Or Philippians 4 9, the things you've heard from me and received from me and seen in me put into practice. So, you know, seen. Third now do you you're able you're able to imitate. Or probably best discipling verse in the Bible is Second Timothy three ten, I think, where Paul rehearses what he's done for Timothy. He says, You are all, all about my teachings. And most Christian leaders are good at the teachings. But then but he doesn't leave it at that. You know about my, my teachings. My purpose taught him what he's trying to accomplish, my way of life, invited him into his life. My love, faith, endurance, persecution, sufferings, the things that happened in Antioch, Iconium, and this So Paul's taken Timothy with him. He's not only taught. Him. He's apprenticed him to himself as a son with his father in the gospel. He's immersed him in what he's doing in some pretty difficult places. Um, you know, Timothy was there outside the Ephesus amphitheater, that lovely night when 24,000 people were shrieking great as Artemis. I'm sure that was lovely. Um, so he could imitate, and the Thessalonians could imitate. Um, So for my ministry, I'm always asking, what what are people going to imitate? And therefore, what do I need to be like? And weak and prayerful and a worshipper is basically it. Mm. Maybe after that, people might learn some skills as well. uh, And... Pick up some some of the mistakes and experience as well, but I want, I want them I want them to see a man who is in Christ, and because then they can see Christ. Um, yeah, that, that's that's what they need. So I just want to be pressed in with him. Yeah. And then beyond that, in prayer, uh, I really hope that living leadership will be useful to the Lord and His church far wider than me and far beyond me, last, me, and praise God. Um, if, if, if I'm the high point, that's really quite sad, because we all want to see God raise up new leaders and a new generation who are far more fruitful than us for the kingdom. So I'm 52 right now, and at this kind of stage in leadership, passing on and raising up and uh, enfranchising and investing in, In the next lot, in your kind of generation, Jess, this this is the critical thing for leaders at this kind of stage. We're the ones who can do that, and we must, or things just wither. Uh, I think that's probably going to be a challenge over the next few years. Um, For living leadership, I am on tiptoe to see what God's going to do to us, um, particularly with the associates network. Just praying every day that that will grow and develop as a real home for people. Uh, people with what we sometimes call supporting ligament type ministries. So really able to help leaders and churches well. Never, ever divorced from the prime place of the local church in God's purposes. So our, our living leadership aim, our, our measure of success, if you like, is well-nourished leaders leading churches that are just so excited about God and the good news they overflow. Philippians 1, glorying abundantly in Jesus. So um we shall see. I am not precious about living leadership. Mm-hmm. If God wants to continue to use this, then that'd be wonderful for his glory. And if he wants to stop this and use other things he's doing to encourage leaders and churches in his grace, then that's great too. Yeah. Now, the critical thing is that he is growing and sustaining and encouraging leaders in his grace and we just kind of get to tag along with him in order to become more like him and, uh, and participate in what he's doing and marvel at him.
0: Yeah. yeah. So kind of moving on, I guess, in a way. Um, at Living Leadership, as you will well know, our tagline, for want of a better word, is we talk about supporting leaders to live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. And we all know, as we've talked about today and as we talk about often, that it's really hard to do that sometimes for all sorts of external and internal reasons. And so whenever we're interviewing people on the podcast, we're just asking them what some of the practical things that they do personally to pursue that joy in Christ and faithfulness in service to him are. So what would those things be for you?
1: That's a big question. Um, So a few things. Uh, The critical thing is whether I am drawing from the well of salvation. And for me, that comes down to the question of whether I am worshipping over an open Bible. Not whether I have my Bible open, because I come from the kind of tradition where that Slightly easily becomes a bit of a Bible comprehension exercise, and I can get all excited. Oh, I see how that those two bits of the Bible hang together. Oh, that's that's exciting. That you know, sets my intellectual um, antennae going. It's really easy to confuse that kind of um, that kind of intellectual buzz with the joy of the Lord, you know, and and that's not the joy of the Lord. That's epistemology. That's just that's just getting an intellectual buzz. Um, the joy of the Lord question is whether or not you're worshipping him. Marvelling at God revealing himself, because he's put treasure here for us to, to delight in. Are you delighting yourself in the Lord, Marcus, is the big question. And am I eagerly desiring the work of the Holy Spirit in my life? 1 Corinthians says eagerly desire. It's so easy to take your foot off the gas on that. Uh, rather than being on your knees saying, Lord, what do you want to do with me? I'm here. Um, As the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul longs after you. Come on, Lord, um, here am I, send me. What what do you want to do? And I'm open to it. I want it. Long time ago, somebody said to me, uh, there is a distinct phase in so much discipleship and in Christian work where you start to ask the question, um, How?" Can I get God into everything I'm doing? And that's better than having God in nothing you're doing. But it's not really the right question. The right question is how do I get into everything he's doing? Because what he's doing is so much better than than anything I can dream of for myself. So yeah, yielded. God, what do you want to do? I want the work of your spirit in my life. And worshipping over the scriptures. And and the second thing. Is it the third thing um, would be developing really healthy, regular habits for staying closely attached to our unshakable rock. Uh, so, people who aren't in Christian ministry think that we all find that easy, but we don't. Anybody's listening who's in uh, itinerant kind of ministry, where you do things here, there, and everywhere, you just know how easy things degenerate into amorphous chaos. Uh, in your spiritual life, as well as, you know, you do things here, there and everywhere and it's all good stuff, but so easily leads you away from having healthy, habitual spiritual practices. The older I get, the more I think that's really about Sabbath or margins in our lives for knowing God. For uh, um, your limit to be greater than your load, as my friend Tony Horsell. life's so pressured, it comes out of so fast. It's easy to neglect him because we just have things to do and then wake up and find we're using him as a bit of a consultant. Philippians 4 says, if you want the transcendent peace of God guarding your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that flows out of rejoicing in God, nurturing gentleness, prayer and petition, and cultivating thankfulness, which casts out anxiety. And it is so tempting to replace those things with frantic activity, either because I have to, because I've set up unsustainable expectations, uh, don't see how I can renegotiate those, or because we get affirmed for doing so, and we got our sense of achievement and identity out of that affirmation. And that is so shallow, but so tempting. You know, there, there is only one affirmation that counts. And that's hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. So um, rhythms, patterns, habits, uh, I think they change age and stage in life. So I said I've got a seven-year-old and that changes a lot in terms of what's possible to do with that. But Sabbath is basically meant to be a vehicle for God to inject his joy into our lives every week. And we neglect that at the expense of our joy and at the expense of our walk with him and our King. So, yeah, those would be a few things. Working harder, just regularity of drawing from him and being with him. Oh, probably one other thing. When I got into the habit years ago now, that whenever anybody wants to talk to me about anything um, anything at all, really, in their lives, you know, maybe, maybe after church somebody wants a little conversation, um, just pray about everything. It doesn't have to be long, 30 seconds, but just get into the habit of praying all the time about everything. And uh, that has fed my habitual patterns very well.
0: Brilliant. And so we kind of reach the end of our podcast today. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, Marcus. Um, I'm sure there's loads of encouragements from what we've discussed that people can take away. But we're going to be ending all of our interviews by asking the same question So you quoted a bit of Philippians earlier, but Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we're also asking everybody who we interview what one verse or thought would you like to leave our listeners with this week to encourage them in their life and ministry? I'll leave
1: you with the one that's just been on my mind, which is in John 15, Jesus saying uh, to his disciples, you've got to abide in me." And when we do, we get his divine joy in us. And he says, when you don't, you can't do anything. I really want you to believe that. If you don't remain in me, you can't do anything, says Jesus. So press into him, desire only him. Just want to be women and men who so have him at the centre of our gaze that everything else in life, good and bad, falls into proper perspective. As the Bible says that when we do that, the Holy Spirit is at work transforming us to be like Jesus.
0: Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Marcus. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. And we do hope that it's been a great encouragement to everybody that's listened today. Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope what you've heard today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you're encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice to help others find us. If you'd like to engage further with us on anything we've discussed today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on any major social media application at Living Leaders, or you can visit our website, www.livingleadership.org, where you'll find even more support and resources to help you live in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. Blessings.